Good morning, and uh, welcome to those of you who've joined us here in the room, and welcome to those who've joined us online. When I was a kid, one of my favorite cartoons was a Looney Tunes cartoon that I think others maybe didn't like as much, but I, I really liked the Roadrunner and the Coyote, you know, Wiley Coyote chasing that roadrunner and trying and trying and trying to capture him. Everything he tries backfires on him, right? You remember he would often end up off the cliff, you know, just kind of hanging there. And uh, he was, you know, in that position where he realized what's happened. And sometimes you'd see it on his face. He'd look shocked. He'd look sheepish. He'd look disturbed. Kind of looked right at you as the viewer and had this, uh uh-oh, as they froze him in time there for a few seconds before he fell. And even sometimes he held up a sign that would talk about gravity or it would say goodbye or it would say, uh, that's all folks, or even say help, you know, it'd have this little sign before he fell. Uh, if you think about the coyote, he's got to be a weary creature, right? Trying and trying and trying and never achieving what he's trying to achieve. And so he's exhausted, he's fatigued. And if you look at um, us as human beings coming out of the last 13 or 14 months of COVID and the political strife and tension and all the things that have happened, the isolation, the unusual nature of that, sociologists and psycho- psychologists tell us that we are a weary people, we're fatigued, our emotions are right there raw. At the same time, we're ready to charge forward. You know, we're, we're, we're getting more freedom and we're able to be outside and be with others and be at events. And even here, we can, if you're comfortable, you can not wear a mask. And, and so things are changing, but, but we're fatigued. And right now, the world is coming out of this, scratching their heads, and they're looking for some answers. We as Christians have an opportunity to be light right now, perhaps more than ever. That's why for the last several weeks, we've been talking about this idea of forward, living and loving like Jesus in a post-COVID world. Now, the world is weary, we're weary, and in that weariness that makes us impatient, makes us irritable, sometimes it makes us more argumentative, sometimes it makes us aloof, or, or we just disengage, but there are raw emotions that everybody's feeling in their relationships, in their conversations, in their reestablishing some normalcy in their lives. They say that at the core of this, we're, we're right, really heightened on our fight and flight kind of mentality. You know, it's that, that raw emotion that you face something and you're just uh, triggered by it enough that you either want to punch someone or you just want to run in the opposite direction. We want to blow up or we want to shut down. And at the same time, again, we as believers see this opportunity to be a light. And so as we come out of this, we need to recognize our weariness and we need to be getting beyond our weariness so that we can be a light for Christ to those who need to see Jesus in and through us as his followers. We're going to think about this together today as we look at several examples of people who are weary and how they responded to God and to others in that weariness. To get beyond our weariness, we must do what we don't feel like doing. It's kind of counterintuitive. We must lean into God more and pour into others more. And really, some of us might be thinking, you know, I just don't want to do that, don't feel like doing those things, I want to do some other things. We've got to be intentional about leaning into God more and pouring into others more. Now, we're going to look at six different examples throughout the Scriptures. Normally, I land on a passage of Scripture, and we stay there. You can take your Bibles, your mobile device, and you can follow me as we'll be looking at six different examples in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'll bring the words up here on the screen so that we can learn these lessons for them. But let's first talk about this leaning into God. 
To get beyond our weariness, we have to lean into God. There's a character in the Old Testament who lived a couple millennia before Jesus, and, and uh, his name is Job. And uh, Job was wealthy. He had a great family. He was a man of faith. Things were going great. He had children and grandchildren. And one day messengers came to tell him that he'd lost all of his financial fortune in a number of tragedies. He'd lost all of his family in a number of tragedies. And so he is wearied, he is fatigued, he is worn out, and he's faced all of this. And let's look at how Job responded to those circumstances. If we look at Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 21, we read, At this point, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. When when you lean into God, one of the things that happens is that you lift up your heart to him in worship. We've got to lift up our hearts in worship. And as we do that, we want to look to Job. Now, he's gone through all this tragedy, and where it says, after this, Job most of us would say whined, complained, grumbled, ached, but it says he worshiped. He intentionally chose to worship God when it would be hard for him to do so. He's not worshiping God because his circumstances are good. Someone has put it this way, we don't worship God because life is good, we worship God because he is good. Now, of course, it's important for us to gather and worship like this. I'm so glad to see you. And again, if you... Uh, Need to be wearing a mask, you can feel comfortable to wear a mask. Um, there'd be no shaming of that. If you're online, we're glad you're joining us online in worship. And I've, I've said a few times this spring that don't stay away uh, one day longer than you should uh, because Satan won't want to get the advantage and cause you just to be drawn away from the body of believers. But it's important for us to worship together like we're doing today. It's also important for us to worship God in the privacy of our own lives to spend some time worshiping him and lifting him up. You can do that in a variety of ways. Sometimes I'll I'll read a psalm back to God in worship. The psalmist has great psalms of worship. You can do that while, you know, looking at the beauty of the day or going to the ocean, just looking at the beauty of, of a sunset or sitting out under the stars and being reminded of your creator and then reading a psalm back to him, singing a song, reading a song of praise or worship, a hymn back to God. Sometimes I'll take a Spotify playlist. I've created a few worship playlists and I'll just listen to those and enjoy God's creation or sit in the dark and let those songs just absorb into my heart as I worship God. I lift up my heart to him. If we're gonna lean into God, we've gotta worship God. Secondly, if we're gonna lean into God, we gotta get down on our knees and pray. We lift up our hearts to God in worship and then we get down on our knees to pray. There was a man named Nehemiah who was living in a foreign land, though he was Jewish, and God had used foreign nations to judge his people for their waywardness. And now Nehemiah is an advisor to the Persian king, the emperor of the empire. It's been decades since that judgment fell on Jerusalem and and on God's people. And he gets news from some who come to see him that Jerusalem still is in disrepair, the walls of the city are broken down, the temple is in ruin, and and the people are discouraged. And when this wearying information, this tiring and overwhelming information comes to Nehemiah, look at how he responds to that in Nehemiah 1.4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. 
He talked to God, even fasted. He, he took time to pray for the people back in Jerusalem. He took time to reach out to God. Sometimes when we go through things that, that cause us to mourn and grieve, we feel like we can't even talk to God. And those are the moments we need to lean in and, and talk to him, tell him how we feel, tell him what others are going through. Throughout this COVID experience, I've been using my reminders app on my iPhone to set up like daily reminders at the same time. We've had two families, personal friends, uh, go through some pretty horrific things in the last week and the loss of two family members suddenly in two different families. And I put one down, pops up every day uh, around 11 o'clock and it, it, it just says uh, to pray for that family. And then I have another one that shows up around 3.30 and and just to remind myself to pray. And if I'm in my office or I'm at home, I get on my knees, I fall down and just pray for those people at that time. Now the other day, Friday, I was in Costco when the first one went off and I thought it'd be a bit odd for people to see me in the middle of an aisle praying and I thought they might think there was some great tragedy happening or something. So I just paused in the aisle and just talked to God. It, it, it helps us right now while we're emerging into this post-COVID world where there's fatigue and weariness. It helps us to lean into God, even in those little ways, find ways to look to God in prayer. Thirdly, we need to open up our Bibles and grow if we're gonna lean into God. Open up our, our Bibles and grow. God reveals who he is to us in his word. We talk about living and loving like Jesus, even in this post-COVID world. It's not just my idea of Jesus or your idea of Jesus, but the Word of God reveals the living Word, Jesus. We, we have a perspective on what this means for us in God's Word. One of the saddest things about 2020 that I read several times was that a number of surveys were showing that Bible reading among Christians went down in 2020. Maybe we're reading the news more, doing stuff like that, and neglecting the Word of God. And when we neglect God's Word, we, we lose that, that nourishment that we need spiritually. Scott just sang in that beautiful song, he sang about inviting God to, to tend to the soil of our hearts, to allow our hearts to grow in fresh life with God. We need God's Word in our lives. And prior to that judgment that fell on God's people in the Old Testament because of their waywardness, there were a series of kings in the kingdom of Judah, of God's people, and some of them were very evil. One named Manasseh served for 55 years, and he turned the people away from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah God, into idols and to pagan worship, and, and the temple was neglected, and they neglected the word of God, which at that time would have been the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and, and this went on for over half a century. Then his son became the king, and he was only alive, or only served as king for two years, and Someone assassinated him, and so his son, Josiah, became king at eight years of age. And as he matured, he came to a place where he began to do some reforms, and he asked the priests and others to go in and to clean out the temple that was the temple of Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and they were to clean it out and restore it and repair it. It had been ignored uh, for a couple generations and as they're cleaning it out, they find this scroll of the, the Bible as it had been revealed in that day, these first five books of the Old Testament, and they bring it to Josiah, and he has an assistant read it to him. 
And as he reads it, and it talks about the covenant relationship between the people of Israel and their God, King Josiah makes a fresh commitment to God. And he calls all the people together in Jerusalem. And he himself then responds. Look at uh, 2 Kings 23, 2 and 3. There the king, Josiah, read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. And then we read, the king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. So Josiah says, I have heard this read, and I am recommitting my relationship to Jehovah God. We're going to get rid of all these idols. And he leads a, a reformation that gets rid of all these pagan idols and the pagan worship associated with it. And they focus on Jehovah God once again. And he calls on the people to do the same. And they say, we will obey. and We will return to that relationship with Jehovah God. The reading of the word of God caused them to grow and to change and to walk in obedience as they responded to it. We provide some ways for you to read scripture. If you go to calvarywestlake.org, there's a little icon there, Bible reading plans, and you can just click on that and pick one of those. You can download the U version, Y-O-U version of the Bible on that Bible app that's free, and they have all kinds of Bible reading plans. Every day I write a Take 5 devotional, again available at calvarywestlake.org. That Take 5 devotional is written based on a passage of Scripture that you can click and read right there, daily reading, and then I make some comments there that can help you in your walk with Jesus so you can grow we, we need to take in God's word. If we're going to lean into God, we've got to lift up our hearts in worship. We've got to get down on our knees and pray. We've got to open up our Bibles and grow. Let God change us and transform us. Now, when you're weary and fatigued, when you're kind of at that fight or flight kind of mentality, it's easy for you not to want to do that. Just sort of step back from God, step back from others, and almost even as you emerge, kind of self-isolate, keep yourself in a bubble but we need to lean into God. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is Isaiah 40. You read how God's people are weary. They say things like, the justice due us escapes the notice of our God. And God calls them to look up to him, to look at him as creator and sustainer of the universe for their hope. And then it talks about how weary the people can get in the circumstances of life. And it says in verse 30 of Isaiah 40, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. If we found the youngest, most healthy, athletic person here on our campus today in all of our services from last night to today, and we took them out, whether it was a man or a woman, a young person, I'm assuming, who has the most physical stamina and athletic build, and, and we said to them, okay, now get out here on the 101. We want you to run as hard as you can to San Francisco. The healthiest of them, at some point, are just going to fall over. Now, if you put me out here, just about 100 yards up this way is the Ventura County line coming out of Los Angeles County, where we are now, into Ventura County, and I would probably collapse before I ever got to the Ventura County line. <laughs> but if you take the youngest and most healthy among us and you say, run as hard as you can, at some point they're going to stumble and fall and grow weary. And, and that's the picture that we're given about how it is for us when life wears on us, when we get worn down, when we become, become weary and fatigued, as many of us have in the last uh, 13 to 14 months. 
But then we read in verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord, they trust in, they rest in, they place themselves in the Lord, they lean into God, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Maybe you find yourself at that fight or flight kind of thing and you're weary and worn. You can grow tired in this life. You can grow weary. There's nothing wrong with admitting that and knowing that. But right now, while the world is weary and tired, we need to renew our strength in our God so that we can shine brighter for Christ wherever we go to a world that is lost and hungry and searching and looking for answers. Lean into God. Find your hope in him. The first step of finding hope in God is to come to faith in Christ, knowing that he died, was buried, and rose again for you. That through his death you can be forgiven and through his resurrection you can have new life given in you so that not only you live with him for all eternity and you're forgiven in his child, but then you can live out Christ here, his kingdom values here and now as you live your life. If you haven't come to faith in Jesus, put your hope, your trust in him today and him alone. If you're joining us online, maybe these are new words to you. Maybe you've heard me say this over and over. A friend has said it. Put your faith in Jesus today. If we can help you, you can text the number on the screen below me. You can text the name Jesus to that number. Uh, just text Jesus to the number, and uh, you'll get some information back that'll help you grow in the Lord, a website with a video for me and others that'll just help you grow in the Lord. We want to walk with you. If you're in the room, you can text that name Jesus to the number on the screen and we'll follow up with you. If you have questions, text that, the name Jesus and we'll, we'll follow up and answer those questions. Someone on our team will reach out to you this week. If you're here on campus, I'll be over on the main patio uh, by the sliding glass doors and, and we can have someone show you today how you can know you have the hope that's found in Jesus because the first and foremost hope we have to have is hope of salvation in Christ. And then as believers, if you put your faith in Jesus, we now lean into him. And as we lean into him, he gives us strength and our light is brighter as we draw our strength and our sustenance from him day to day. Got to lean into God more if we want to get beyond our weariness. Secondly, we need to pour into others more if we want to get beyond our weariness. This may be the part you say is a little harder because maybe some people have irritated you, some family members, some coworkers, some people online. Maybe you just don't feel like it. Well, there are some examples here that we can look at in terms of how we respond to others. The first thing we need to do in, in pouring into others is roll up our sleeves and serve Roll up our sleeves and serve. Toward the end of Jesus' ministry, the disciples are a little confused because he's talking about a sacrifice, he's talking about a cross, he's talking about things that don't make sense. They see him as this political revolutionary who's gonna establish his kingdom and then Rome will be pushed off the oppressor and, and so they're confused and they, they say to him, you know, two of them come and they even bring their mother according to one of the gospels and the two, James and John, come and they say, we wanna be in your kingdom when you're king and you get rid of Rome and things are great here in Israel. We wanna be the prince on your right hand and your left hand and here's our mother to make the argument for us. <laughs> and so she comes. Well, the other 10 hear about this and they're all a little frazzled because there's opposition that's been forming to Jesus. There's tension with religious leaders and they can tell something's stirring and so they're all weary. And so when they hear that these two have brought mommy to convince Jesus to put them in charge under him in his kingdom, they're pretty ticked. 
And so we read in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28, Jesus called them together, all 12, and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. God the Son himself didn't come here to be served. He was sent to serve and to give the ultimate service of his sacrifice so we could be right with God. And then he says, look, in the world they say you gotta be in charge, you gotta have power, you gotta have position. But in my kingdom, you bow down and you serve one another. You roll up your sleeves and you care for people. You do things that, that mean something in their lives. And rolling up our sleeves is so important in serving Jesus. On our team, Pastor Gina Spivey, who oversees our special abilities ministry, has a passion for serving God, and her passion is infectious. And it's not just for her area of ministry, it's for all areas of our church that people would be serving. And it's not only our church, but you'll hear in just a moment from her own story about, she's passionate about churches around the world serving Jesus, and for everybody plugging in and using the gifts they've been given. Uh, recently, we asked Gina some questions, and she responded, and we put that together in uh, just her sharing her heart for rolling up her sleeve and serving God. Watch this video. Hi, my name is Gina Spivey, and I am the pastor of the Special Abilities Ministry here at Calvary. I met my husband, Dennis, when I was a senior in high school. He came to my senior prom. We're high school sweethearts. And I met him that year at Calabasas High, and then we dated all through college, got married right after college, and quickly made Calvary our church home. So we've been here our whole married life. Our kids were born and started coming here. I have two children, Peyton, who's now 13, Dominic, who's 10. They've been here involved at Calvary since the day they were born. They were dedicated here. They've been um, in all the children's ministries, middle school, camp, the whole thing. My professional career began um, shortly after I started at Loyola Marymount studying child psychology and child development. And I was specializing in kind of abnormal child psychology, but I always sort of had a heart for marginalized populations, outreach. So when I was a junior in college, I started working for a nonprofit in South Central LA that worked with children 18 to 36 months old who had a um, variety of disabilities that stemmed from prenatal drug and alcohol exposure. They were all in the foster care system um, they all kind of had very similar paths in their life. It was its own ministry. It wasn't ministry like I'm doing now, but it was definitely ministry looking back on it. And I worked in that job for 12 years. Um, traveled from Thousand Oaks to South Central when we got married and moved here and just really valued the work that I was doing there. Always loved working with the special abilities population. Those kids in particular had a whole other host of things going on and I, I really loved that work. Uh, never really had any intention of going into vocational ministry, to be honest. It was kind of the last thing on my mind. I grew up in a church. My grandpa, Pastor Varney, who's here, some of you guys know him and love him. He was a pastor for a lot of years. So I was sort of a grand preacher's kid, I guess, but we were always really involved in that church. So in 2014, we started having a conversation with Calvary about what it would look like to sort of take the special needs ministry at the time to another level. And it was really interesting to think about what would it look like to take these skills that I had 
uh, used and had for so many years doing this nonprofit work and marry it to my church home that had been my church home for so long. And I kind of went into it hesitantly. I really wasn't gunning at the opportunity, but God was really sovereign in all of it. And it became sort of a call out of obedience. He made it so clear that this is what I was meant to do. So we prayed a lot about it. And then it just felt like a thing I needed to do to follow God's leading in my life. So I took the job and uh, started here in 2014 as the director. And then a few years ago, became a licensed pastor here. And it's just been incredible to see how God really has taken all that I learned in my previous role and brought it to Calvary so that we could elevate what we were doing here. So we could build this wing so that we could do outreach so that we could meet needs of families in kind of a new and unique way. You know, one of the things I really have learned learned in the years that I've been doing ministry here is just how valuable everybody is when it comes to being the hands and feet of Jesus at Calvary and at churches around the world. I've noticed in my own ministry, the people that are most nervous to serve with us tend to be the people who say, I have no experience, I don't know what I'm doing, and I always say, you're just the person we're looking for. You have a place in this ministry, we'll find a way for you to use your gifts and talents in this ministry and in any ministry. Part of the reason why we named, renamed our ministry from special needs to special abilities is based on this idea that everybody has an ability, everybody has a gifting, everybody has something that they can bring to the table and we're called to that. And not only are we called to it out of obedience, but it's a blessing when we use those gifts and talents and we serve one another. There's no time that people feel closer to the Lord than when they're using the things that he's gifted you with to serve other people. It's ultimately about getting out of your own skin, out of your own body and your own mind and serving other people and recognizing that God's gifted you in a way, no matter what the gifting is, that you can use to bless other people and be blessed in return. And I think what we've noticed moving forward and coming back from COVID is people who are bought in and who have showed up to serve, who have come back to things like Buddy Break, who have come back to serve on Sundays, they're really excited to be here. And it's almost like we needed to lose it to recognize how much we needed it. And now that we're back and we're serving with one another, I mean, it's the, the excitement is palpable in our ministry and other ministries as I walk around and see it in children's ministry and I see it in small groups and all those things. People who have stepped back in to the roles that they had before COVID are really reaping the benefits of the Lord's blessing and of the joy that comes along with that. So if you're hearing all that and you're recognizing that maybe that's you or your family or your spouse or someone that you can think of that's not yet using those gifts again, or maybe never did before COVID, but is realizing now that that isolation that came with COVID, you're ready. You're ready to be a part of a team. You're ready to be a part of a ministry. You're ready to serve in and use your gifts. There are so many opportunities. Of course, I know that there are a lot of opportunities within the special abilities ministry to serve, but that is not the only place to serve here. There is a million different things that you can do. And there's different levels. There's different types of serving. There's different commitments. You can do something once a week. You can do something once a month. You could serve communion. You can help with baptism. Baptisms, you know, be a small group leader, help in children's ministry. There's endless opportunities for you to plug in. And I can promise you that every ministry leader here will help you plug in and serve in a way that's going to benefit their ministry and the, the people that are receiving the ministry, but also you. You start to realize that you're not just filling a hole. 
You're not just a body. You're not just a person showing up that you get to receive the blessing. There's something amazing that happens when the Holy Spirit uses you using your gifts to help other people. So it isn't just about you needing to check a box or a ministry leader needing you to check a box. It's really about helping you develop as a follower of Jesus. It's about helping you understand what it means to be a full member of the body of Christ and use whatever God's given you to use to to help other people, yes, but also to help you and also for you to understand it. I've seen within the special abilities ministry consistently the number of people who have come and thought that this was going to be maybe heavy or sad or that they were going to leave feeling kind of down. They always leave recognizing more about who God is, about how he loves his people, about what it means to be um, plugged in and serving. So I'm just going to encourage you today to take the next few days and really think and pray about what God's gifted you with, how you can plug in and serve, and then find somebody on staff, find somebody you know, and do it. Wow, isn't that great? Her energy and enthusiasm is infectious, not just for her of ministry, but for serving and the blessing you get. You know, in these last 13 to 14 months, a lot of people have moved. We've had people who are at high risk still for COVID, and so there's some concerns. So we've got plenty of opportunities for people to lean in and serve and, and grow together. Roll up your sleeves and serve. If you, um, if you had a previous ministry at Calvary and you're reconnecting again, you can reach out to the person who led that. Also, though, if you say, well, I don't know what would be the best area, or I have some idea of areas I'd like to serve, I've served in before, I've got these gifts and abilities or experiences, or I'm just available, you can go to that connect with us button on our uh, digital bulletin, that spot there, and click on that. It was mentioned by Pastor Dick earlier, and uh, that will give you an opportunity just to communicate with us, and we'll follow up with you and say, I'm ready to serve, I'm ready to engage. I think this area of rolling up our sleeves and serving it's kind of the connection between leaning into God and pouring into others. Because once we understand who God is and, and he gives us strength and we find his joy in, in life, then we want to spill over and pour that into the lives of others. We roll up our sleeves and serve as we pour into others. Secondly, in pouring into others, we pull out our wallets and give. You know, there are economic uncertainties that we experienced during the COVID year. And then there are uncertainties now that people are talking about or we see the evidence of and some economic numbers and things. But it's important for us to understand that even when we're weary in terms of our financial well-being, God encourages us to be as generous as possible. As a matter of fact, Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthian church that had a lot of troubles, talks about the churches in Macedonia and how generous they were when they were in trouble, when they were weary, when they were tired, and how they still invested in an offering he was gathering to help the church at Jerusalem in the first century. And Paul tells the Corinthian believers this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. I want you to see his words uh, to these, these believers at Corinth. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his knowledge, or excuse me, in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. They're weary, but they are filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. 
Now here are the Macedonians and they're weary and yet they say we're still going to lean in and pour into others and be generous. Maybe you've never given to the local church. Start giving something. Maybe you've given regularly for the years and you want to make an increase, a little 1% increase or something. or Give a special gift. Do something to pour into others in the way in which you give. One of those ways can be to sponsor one of these kids. These last two weekends we've been talking about child sponsorship. We started last weekend with 160 children from various countries around the world that needed sponsored. I can tell you that now we're down to 27 of those 160 are left, and this is our final service of the weekend, and one way in which you can pull out your wallet and give is to invest in a child in Jesus' name. Uh, it's about 35 to $40 a month, but you help children in, in a holistic way, and they are shown the love of Christ as they're cared for in some of their physical needs and education, those kinds of things. Each of the ministries has a different emphasis and each country faces different needs. But you can see these cutouts. They're right at the break here uh, in the first couple rows at the break between the floor level and the stadium seating. And you can see them online. If you go to our website, there's a way you can connect with child sponsorship there. Even in the lobby, we've got some cutouts. And if you take one of those kids' cutouts, you can sponsor that child, whether they're in Bolivia or Ukraine or wherever they are. And you can take that cutout, whether it's from the lobby or here, and go out to the booths that are along uh, out front on our atrium patio, and you can sign up, and you can make a difference in the life of a child. Um, make, make an investment in them. There's a way to pull out your wallet and give. And let's, let's sponsor those last 27 for uh, these two weekends and make a difference in Jesus' name. As we pour into others, it's rolling up our sleeves and serving them. It's pulling out our wallets and giving uh, for their benefit. And thirdly, it's holding back our tongues. We gotta hold back our tongues and love. Right now, if we're at that fight and flight, if we're at that weariness stage and emotions are as they say they are, according to sociologists and psychologists, then it's important for us to be careful. Our words can be cutting. Our words can be damaging. Our words can hurt. And this is the time we need to hold back our tongues and love. Before David was king over Israel, uh, he was on the run from the then king, King Saul, and he ran to a cold, dark cave because there was nowhere else for him to go. And he's there alone for like three to six months And as he emerges from the cave, a bunch of people who are more broken than he is are outside the cave. They're looking to him for help, and he becomes their leader. And he gives a speech to them that's recorded in Psalm 34. In that speech, he says things like, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's been in this isolation. He's emerging from isolation like many of us have felt in these last 13 to 14 months. And as he's emerging, he's saying, taste and see the Lord is good. And then he gives them some instructions, some things they need to think about because they're all hurting and they're all weary. And look what he says in verse 13 of Psalm 34. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. The scriptures have a lot to say about our words, how the multitude of words can cause problems. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I think most of us should memorize that one right now. Our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, they need us to live by those words. James 3.7-8 talks about how hard it is to control our tongues. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Someone has put it this way. Words are like toothpaste. Once they're out, you can't get them back in again. 
Well, this is an area that I personally have a great weakness. Sometimes when God's given you skills in communicating, sometimes I get myself in trouble because I talk too much or I say things that I think is something. And it's very easy for us to hurt other people with our words. And this is the time and this is a season as we pour into others, we need to keep back our criticisms or our thoughts and, and we need to pour into them love, unconditional love. Would it be really easy to complain or say, see, I told you so, whichever way it is and whatever issue, this is the time to lean in and love. As we pour into others, we've got to roll up our sleeves and serve. We've got to pull out our wallets and give. We've got to hold back our tongues and love. If you think about these two areas, lean into God, that's what the Old Testament and New Testament say when it says that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then it says the second commandment is we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we lean into God and we pour into others. And practically, that means we, we worship him. We pray to him. We grow in him according to his word. It means as we pour into others, we serve them. We give to make a difference in what God is doing here and around the world. And we love, even when we might want to say something that, that we think is true, but it, it could be dangerous and cutting to them and hurtful to them. Are you leaning into God more as you emerge from COVID? Are you pouring into others more? Or if you're kind of in that weariness, taking a step back from God and from others, this is the time to lean into God. This is the time to pour into others. And as we do that, we get beyond our weakness because God meets us in those moments as we put our hope in him and he gives us strength. He renews our energy. He renews our passion and our focus for him. A year ago, I told you the story of Chase Smith, who was a champion diver in high school. At age 14, he was diagnosed with cancer and looked like his swimming and diving career were, were uh, going to come to an end, but the cancer was treated and was put in remission. And um, he was doing great, became a, in his senior year, became a nationally ranked swimmer, lives in the Indianapolis area. He, in his junior and senior year, had a girlfriend, Sadie Mills. They became very close. And in April of 2020, in the middle of April 2020, he was told by his doctors that the cancer was back and was everywhere in his body. They had one to three months to live. And that very day, he asked Sadie to marry him, and she said she would, a month before their high school graduation. Four days later, these two 18-year-olds were married in her driveway. It was significant to them to have the wedding there because that's where he had picked her up for their first date two years earlier. They both loved Jesus they both believed God had given them each other for this season of maybe one to three months. And so they were married on April 20th of 2020, believing they had one to three months to, to experience life together. And as those months grew, they, they went beyond the one to three months. And he was pretty healthy and could do some interviews and was able to move around and go to some swim meets of cousins. And so as this follower of Christ, his parents and friends talked about how he just leaned into God more and more, would worship and open God's word and pray as a young man. And, and he poured into others, being there for family and relatives and, and serving others and being a one with an open heart of giving and loving others during those months, uh, he gave various interviews talking about the Lord and how cancer was given to him as a platform to share Christ with others. A very tough journey for this young couple. 
in the beginning of this year, about eight months in uh, to that year of that eight months of their marriage, Chase had to go under hospice, and he was there several weeks, and Sadie was there holding on to his hand. And then on Easter Sunday of this year, on April 4th, Chase Smith stepped into the presence of Jesus. There are so many quotes. I'll post some of those on my social media, some of the things that he said. He talked about how hard it was. He wasn't being phony baloney about this. He wasn't wearing a plastic smile, but he talked about how God gave him this that made him so weary and tired, this cancer, as a platform to be a light for Christ. One of the quotes he said that I thought was so powerful is, I genuinely feel that God put me on this earth and gave me this platform, cancer, to be able to share the love that he can spread to share what's possible with his love. Now here's someone who was weary and worn, but he got beyond his weariness and said, I want my light to shine for Jesus. And his mother, after he passed, said his light was shining very brightly in some of the most tiring and difficult times of his journey. How about you? Are you leaning into God? Are you pouring into others? Are you letting your light shine? The world around us needs to see the followers of Jesus living and loving like Jesus in strength and power and joy that comes from the Lord. Let's lean into him. Let's pour into others. Let's roll up our sleeves and serve God together. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you, Father, for Chase's story and his response to what was so wearying and debilitating in his life as the cancer spread. Thank you for his desire to use that as a platform to share the hope of God with others. Fathers, we thought of these various individuals in scriptures who were at weary points and, and yet they leaned into you and they poured into others. May we, who perhaps feel weary or we don't even understand the weariness of family members or friends or coworkers, may we be bright lights for Jesus wherever we go. Be glorified in and through us. Use us in this season, in a powerful way, to let people see your Son in and through us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.